This week on Dig Me Out. The air from the fan blows so that the blue on the map on the walls. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. You know, I realized, Jay, today, we haven't really done an intro where we explained this podcast. We sort of just jump into it yeah, every time. I've listened to some podcasts where they do that. And I was like, probably should be doing that. <laughs> I thought so. You I know, was doing and not assume thing. that everybody's been listening for 10 years. So if you're joining us for episode 620 something and it's your first time, because you're just happen to be a really big fan of this band and you're like, what's this? Uh, I'm Tim and uh, that's my co-host Jay. If you're watching the video on Patreon, if you're not, you're hearing his voice now. Am I breathing? <laughs> I was waiting for you to don't, don't breathe. That's great. Uh, we, we've been doing this um, since. Ooh. 1974 <laughs> is when we started doing this. We we traded back eight tracks and uh and we listen and then we recorded on a reel to reel. No, we started, price uh tape recorders. There you go. And uh we we like to check out 90s albums and we hope that you like to check out 90s albums too because there's a whole lot of them as we can tell because this podcast is 600 episodes in and we've barely scratched the surface. Actually, I want to I want to amend that. We have scratched the surface. In yeah, the same way that the little... earth is, is very large. We have scratched a little line in the dirt. We're still digging towards the core. <laughs> we scratched a little top. We took a stick and just started to like. Yes, exactly. Started to make a square where we will eventually dig. So we, we hope that you'll check out our very large archive of previous episodes. All of them are listed on our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. You can drop a name in that search tool and you might find them, or we might have talked about them in a podcast, even if they might not have been the subject of an episode. So what's the subject of this episode, Jay? In fact, it's a union member pick. He was not able to join us for this episode. Actually, he, has, he hasn't joined us because he prefers not to. He's, he's like the Batman. He <laughs> okay. uh, first, first to lurk in the shadows. That's James That's Stelter, cool. Jim Stelter. He's been with us. For many years, it's great having him as a member of our community. Um, his comments over at Patreon. And you might remember, he's picked some really interesting records for us, Jay. Back in 2018, it was Lusk's Free Mars. Yeah. Then in 2019, it was This Is The Way It Goes and Goes by Juno. Then in okay. 2020, it was Ponzi Scheme by Firewater. And last year, it was the Brotherhood of Electric slash or dash operational directive by Wellwater Conspiracy. All right. So that's a that is a very interesting collection of not really connected in any way records. Right. So this year he continues. It's the 1998 album Transaction de Nuevo or de Novo. <laughs> By Bedhead. Uh, Jay, uh, had you ever heard of any Bedhead before? Uh, no, I had not. Had you? I'd heard the name in talking about bands like Low okay. and the 
quote-unquote slowcore sound from the 90s. And I also heard the name of this band as a... Well, we'll get into it. I, I, I'll talk about who they inf- like what their sound sort of influenced in the 2000s, but it's part of the review we'll talk about later. So this was Jim's pick, and he gave us some notes on his pick. He said, it's the third and final album before the Cadane brothers shifted into the new year. I'm sure there are folks who prefer Bedhead's other albums. This is their third record. Um, And those are certainly worth listening to. I chose Transaction because it's the one I've listened to the most. It is because it's the most, is it the most polished? Maybe. Steve Albini production perfectly captures Bedhead, even at their quietest. There are some faster songs that almost don't sound like Bedhead. It can make for a mixed record, but that variety is exactly what keeps the interest keeps the record interesting. Uh, more than ever is easily my favorite. The lyrics, the simple melody, how it slowly unfolds into dizzying layers. Trademark bedhead. Braid is another highlight and follows the same format, albeit at greater extremes. It's easy to get lost in the restrained parts, only to be captured by the noisy bursts. Transaction closes with the present. It's seven-minute glacial pace hanging in the air, slowly ascends, slowly ascending until abruptly drifting off into space. Bedhead can take a lot of patience and attention. The payoff is worth it. Let's see if our patrons had any comments on whether they thought the uh, album Transaction De Novo by Bedhead was worth it. We'll share their poll results at the end, but Darren Lehman said, guitar tones are nice and clean on this album. Obviously, nothing is overproduced. The vocals are clear yet whispery, but the minimalistic and plotting nature of the music quickly drew tire- grew tiresome. Ian McIver said, Bedhead is appropriate name, as it sounds like the band is trying to drag themselves out of bed with bad hair. Decent single. <laughs> On the opposite end, Willie Dillon, love me some Bedhead. Obviously, it's not for everyone. You're not going to listen to a few songs once and declare they're your favorite band. It takes time to build. If you're looking for music to punch babies to, this isn't it. What is the appropriate music to punch babies to, Willie? Please let us know. Oh, my, my goodness. Um, I don't know that I want to know the answer to that, actually. Yeah. They worked with Steve Albini a lot, so their albums sound quite good, sonically speaking. The Cadane Brothers continuation in the new year is also great as their collaboration with david bazan of page of the lion and will johnson of centromatic in the band overseas jim copany aka tank boy who recently joined us at patreon he says i may be biased i think it was around this time this album that most of the band ended up staying at my place after an empty bottle show so i think he's going where the album on this and then Jeff Genta said some Sparkle Horse pinback vibes. Interested after two listens. Okay, so we uh, probably talk about a little history of this band because the name of the brothers Matt and Bubba Cadane um, from Dallas, Texas. They formed in '91. Um, Matt and Bubba were vocals and guitar. There's some names here: Tench. Coxie or Cox, C O X E, is the other guitar player. Chris Wheat on bass and Trini Martinez on drums. The band released a couple EPs, three albums on the label Trance Syndicate, um, which were What Fun 
Life was in 94. Self-titled bed or not self-titled bedheaded in or beheaded. Oh, oh, I see what they did there. They messed with the spelling so that you would want to read it as bedhead bedheaded, but it's actually bedhead beheaded. Oh, my. You, you saucy minx. Uh, that came out in 96. And then Transaction De Novo came out in 98. Um, they did release a box set through the Numero Group uh, covering all of this in 2014. Also, there was a 94 EP and a 96 EP, and then um, both on Trans Syndicate Records. And then they did release a, I think it's a split EP with Maka called maka loved bedhead in 2000 and that was the i think the last release um from the band and uh interestingly after the band broke up um the guitar player went (laughs) went to earn a phd in russian literature literature from columbia university uh as mentioned the kadane brothers went on to form the new year they signed with um, Touch and Go Records, and um, they also played in overseas with uh, Bazan and Johnson. So, let's get into this record, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about Transaction De Novo by Bedhead. I love how the tempo creates this interesting dynamic. I found myself hanging on the notes and constantly wondering what the next one was going to be. So it just creates this almost a mystery around the, around the melody um, where, especially with the, the ones that are not as they're not repeated, like they build and you don't quite know where they're going to resolve or when they're going to resolve. And then they combine that with, these kind of guitars layering over each other and sometimes even the bass driving the melody. So the opening track exam is a good example of that. So you don't know where the melody is necessarily going to be coming from, where it's going to go, and how it might twist. Found that unique. Uh, obviously, the crescendos, the soft loud stuff. I feel like I've heard before, but there was something about the tempo this is played at, how sparse it can be, how simple the drumming is sometimes to just create this like methodical almost like a clock ticking 
which creates like this expectation that, okay, I know what's coming next. Tank, tank, tank. And then it goes somewhere else. And you're like, well, well, that's a weird little note. And, oh, I didn't expect that note to happen. Uh, something like uh, the song More Than Ever. It's another example of where in the middle of the song, there's this ascending guitar part. And because I think the tempo it's played at and how sparse it's played, you just feel this tension of, I don't know, how, how high are they going to go? <laughs> it just keeps going and building and going and going and going. Uh, you're like, okay, I think they're at the end of the fretboard. And it's like, oh, no, they got a couple more higher notes than that after that. So I found that that pretty fun. Uh, and it kept me, I think, uh, despite the slow tempo, which obviously can get a little bit heady and you can get lost in it. It kept bringing me back. Sort of these really nuanced um, guitar lines and bass lines. Uh, and then I also liked within that, just because it's so quiet, you can start to pick up on like the, the details of the differences and how they might be playing the guitars. You're like, oh, this part they're using their fingers, and this part they're using a pick, and in this part they got a little bit of reverb on. And because they're so clean, there's so much space in the mix you can start to really pick up on that those things in a way that you understand like why it's, they just they carry more weight they carry more importance um so yeah there's a lot of cool like tension and um kind of hidden complexity in this even though it's like slow and methodical sounding you would think it'd be simple but it's it's really not So I enjoyed that. What about you? Well, previously when we've we've talked covered a couple of slowcore bands, like Low is one of them. Um, I think Acetone we did quite yeah. a while ago. And there there might be other ones that I'm forgetting, but I think I really struggled with some of that with the with the repetitiveness and the yep. um lack of stuff happening but this hit me differently and i don't know i mean maybe it's the time of the year maybe it's it's a good autumn record uh yeah i can hear that um but i heard a little bit more dynamic in this you know take a song like parade or the closer the present you know slow build you know that's that's the core of this record and then in those songs, you get a big rave up of distortion and noise. And you go, okay, well, that's 
you know, predictable, but they don't do that in every song. Like you kind of expect that. Like a lot of slow bands do that. They build to a crescendo and then it's over and they release and then they're, and then it's done. But on songs like you mentioned more than ever, which the the band I was going to reference, but man, that sounded a lot like the first two death cab for cutie albums. Sure. And I can totally see a band like this influencing a young Ben Gibbard and Lowe and, and those bands. But in, even in, in the way that the vocal and the, the melody is working in that song, it reminded me of, of Death Cab. Um, and there is just a finesse on this record with regards to the playing, um, the arrangements, which are very simple. But like you mentioned, there are, there are these little subtle shifts that happen. You know, there's two guitars happening on this record. And there will be times when it's just one and then the second one comes in with a just a minorly different melody or 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 a counter or something like that you just get these nice crisscrosses of sounds between those two guitars at times um and i don't know what tempo there i mean maybe like 50 beats per minute (laughs) something like that (laughs) right right but it it it's like it's like halftime from like nodding your head to a rock song. It's like it's like the right slow tempo is, yeah. is how I would describe it. It's like it hits that so you can just kind of nod to it. Not every song, but that's th- yeah. that's the overall sort of um vibe of this record. Um, I, so it, it worked quite well for me in that the, regard. You touched on the repetitive nature, maybe of some of the other bands we've listen to that would be close to this that mm-hmm. i think that's what works about this for me is it, it's not the songs that work well aren't repetitive like i mentioned they're actually uh the lines are are feel longer and evolving and kind of twisting and turning and done in a way where i don't know where the repeat is always going to happen Mm-hmm. I don't know that they're playing with weird time signatures or anything, but they're just enough in the way that it's crafted and the melodies are complex enough that I don't hear that repetition, which for me creates a totally different experience. Like it engages my brain differently um, to like want to guess where are we going and how is this going to open up or change? And like you said, mentioned too, uh, I want to second that it doesn't always go to the predictable fuzzy crescendo. Yes, there are a couple on this record, but it doesn't always do that. Uh, which again, like, it makes you uh, want to stay tuned in to know where this is going. Yeah. Yeah, there's... And I was looking back, the other ones that we did, um, Karate had some... Some, not all. There was There was some slow core aspects to that um ida and it's not not overly angular either right and i think it's it's, what part of the reason why i think that it works in terms of it being unpredictable like you said is that i don't feel like they're confining sometimes the guitar lines to just like four measures or eight measures like it feels like they're it's much more expansive um and less repetitive in that way yeah so that works really well. Um, his voice is like totally 
works for me on this style um if it was like too whispery i think i would get annoyed but he's able to maintain like a a voice but without becoming indistinguishable from like the rest of the record and there's some interesting turns of phrases and stuff and that's happening so sometimes that's really hit or miss with me too because you it ever it ends up sounding like um Try to remember. Uh, it just gets like bah, bah. you just yeah. get like that, you know, droll. I don't want everything to sound like Leonard Cohen. Yeah. When it's uh, yeah, in terms of what doesn't work, it the vocal is hit and miss for me. I think when the guitar lines are driving the song and the melody, mm-hmm. the vocal can fit under that, and it works really well because then yes. you have two guitars. A strong melodic theme coming from either the bass of the guitar and a vocal that is just playing under that. And he in the vocal then doesn't have to do a ton, just kind of adding another layer and you know, establishing maybe a hook here or there. When the vocal has to be the focus, so a song like Extra Mundane, which in theory I should like a lot because it's more yeah, driving, but... driving and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But the vo- the the guitars aren't doing much in those verses. They're just kind of like you know down strumming, which puts a lot of pressure on the vocals to do something interesting. And the vocal is just kind of a droning. It, it ends up like instead of it being like a tune that has energy, which I to me the guitars feel like they want to have <laughs> the vocal, and then kind of the drumming ends up sounding like they're half asleep doesn't work great uh parade i think the verses in that is the same thing just the vocal is like kind of low and morose sounding like Mm -hmm. just forgetting same thing uh it's got a country vibe and the guitars are kind of interesting they're doing a like a bend or i don't know if it's a bend or a uh slide or something it's got a bit of a country twang to it, which is kind of interesting, but it's not enough to to save the vocal. Um, so, I, I mean, I would honestly be happy with this band if it had less vocals. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's some moments where it works really well, like you mentioned, like More Than Ever is a good example where you really hear that... Um, that uh, death cab kind of tone come through and it like locks up for me and it makes sense. 
but mm, to me the what's interesting about this band is the music and the yeah. guitar lines and the guitar melodies and some of the bass work and the vocal isn't always the most compelling part i agree with you because i think a song like exhume the opening track works really well because you don't know if this is an instrumental band or not right but when the vocal comes in you go okay that vocal makes sense i really what i like about that song is i don't know what he's tapping if it's a bell or a chime or if it's like the top of the um ride symbol or you know the crash like the little what's the yeah. part of it called at the top i don't know not a drummer um i the like bell. that yeah is it called it's called the bell Got yeah it. um it's an unexpected sound and i like that it's a, such a high frequency like it's a yeah. nice counter to what is a a deeper vocal and then also you know there's no distortion which Honestly, on those two up-tempo songs, Psychomatica and Extra Mundane, yeah. that's the least interesting guitar stuff to me on this I agree. It, it sounds like any kind of indie band from the 90s. It's, yep. If you're going to do that, then it's got to be... like a, The Sparkle Horse callback was good because there's that one song which starts... It has the sound of the radio where it sounds small and then yeah. the song gets big and it's like a great pop song, but he clearly like wrecked half the song just by using that radio effect and making it really small sounding like if you're going to go up tempo on this album it's got to be like really thought through and either a really really great song or do something production wise that makes it interesting because otherwise they just sort of like sound like noisy sonic youth you know wannabe songs so yeah but I think on the, the distortion on like the present that works for me better because it it builds up and it makes sense as noise. Whereas the distortion on the up tempo songs just sounds bad. It just yep. it does not sound good in comparison to the rest of the record. great tone uh which um on the quieter sounds songs they almost sound bigger they do sound bigger yeah even though they're using less distortion <laughs> uh, i think we at least in my brain I usually uh associate more distortion with a bigger sound but in this band's case they sound bigger more expensive when they're clean speaking of clean um you know sometimes we talk about who produces the records in depth and this is an albini production yeah i think you can tell because there's like no there's no reverb yeah like this is so dry and clean um i think that works though i think if it was reverbed out it would 
it would be too washy and too like it needs that very dry production that he does i agree i have to though wonder if the louder songs that we're talking about psychomatica and extra mundane yeah they have a weird sound to them too we mentioned that they're not big and they're almost too separated Mm -hmm. Uh, like you can you can hear the distinct guitars a little too much because it is so dry they're just like kind of like sitting right there in your ears and for uh, distorted guitars that can be weird um you want it to sound like you know amps in a room you know cranked and it sounds like amps in a box in your head <laughs> instead like they sound like those right. those amps that you can hook under your belt yeah, and right. walk around and play yeah <laughs> uh so i think his production is brilliant for the slower and quieter stuff mm-hmm. the up-tempo stuff with this band not so much because i just think their tones aren't great yeah it's better his production works really good if you've got bands that have great amp tones and like know how to eq their shit and like put the right fuzz on the bass and you know get a killer guitar tone yeah, this uh, is... i'm not sure this band is great for distorted or fuzzy tones it's a clean tone band to me yeah this is not a marshall stack and a, and a les paul yeah um well let's uh let's talk about our overall ratings for this record and we'll get to the patreon poll results in just a moment but jay were the album better ep or decent single. I'm going to be at a better EP and I could really see this being based on the stuff I picked exhume more than ever half thought leopard Le, lepido or petrotera what whatever lepid optera lepidoptera the I present think. it would be a very cool mostly instrumental ep mm-hmm. uh, where you'd have these moments of singing that would really have impact i think uh and create a, a very specific mood and uh to me it would, it would feel a bit more cohesive as a sort of mostly instrumental ep with you know some spotlight vocals to really add some contrast so that would be my my better EP. Where you at? I'm I right there with you. I think I'm a little bit more generous because it's only a nine song album. I would lose three tracks. Um, extra mundane, forgetting. I think forgetting is uh, the slow tracks is the weakest, and then psychomatica. Um, I would just cut it down to those six. I think it's a really strong EP, and you know it, it'd probably give you like thirty minutes. And so we're close. I have what five, you have six. Yeah. Yep. So and and I gotta say, this is kind of the first time that this sound has worked for me in a in a, in a unified way. Um as an as an album or an EP or what have you. Like it's always been a struggle for me, but this one hit right because of the leaves are turning and uh, the jacket weather is here. It, it reminded me right. a little bit of explosions in the sky yes good call which i think also like like, oh yeah Yeah. there's more delay and this was an instrumental like 
I could see. And aren't they a Texas band too? Going that direction. Yeah, they're from Austin. And they were like 10 years after this. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that they were an influence on that band. Yeah, good call. And also good call to our patrons who voted in terms of you all went with Worthy Album. 43%. So again, we had a three-way race here. And Better EP tied with Decent Single for 29%. But uh, the patrons, they were mostly on the side of either a Worthy Album or a Better EP. So right in there with us. That's not, uh, that's not too shabby. Keeping and, it together. Uh, yeah. So we got to thank uh, Jim Stelter for his pick. Always interesting picks from Jim every year these are and i want to say that we had not heard any of these um we didn't yeah, we didn't know bedhead wellwater conspiracy firewater had we listened did you listen to juno before i think i had i, had, I think i'd heard the name the, but he, his picks are like right on my periphery yeah they're like close to other bands i liked or knew about or listened and to. lusk yeah yep, lust too they're just right there on the edge of what i was <laughs> It's like over here. It's high. It's kind of hovering. You can see yeah. it out of the corner of your eye. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, uh, Jim. And if you'd like to be like him, you can join us over at Patreon by going to dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And you can become a patron for as little as two bucks a month. Vote in our polls like this one or in our monthly runoffs. Three rounds of nine albums that are suggested through our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. And then a final of six. And from those six, we review a record every month. And they're all uh, suggestions that you, the uh, listeners, give to us. We've gotten through a lot of records this year. And some of them are getting resubmitted, and that's great. They'll get another shot down the road. Yep. You know, um, right now they're, they're down in the championship league. They're not in the premier league or, (laughs) or is it the other way around? I don't really understand how that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's the way it works. I I do think we need relegation in some American sport. I think college football would work. I think everybody should be division one. I think that would be a great way to handle college football. Yes. Yeah. That's like a top 25 or something every year. And uh, everybody else gets right. You're either relegated in or out, like turn this whole ranking system into more of a, mm-hmm. a relegation tier system. I'd be, I'd be all on board for that. Yeah. Cause I mean, look, we went to Bowling Green. There is no yeah. reason that Bowling Green in their current state, which is not good, should be playing division one football. Well, but, but they should be able to battle for it. Yeah, I think what what's fun or what has been fun for me in the past, I don't think this happened anymore, but there was a, like when Urban Meyer was there, like there was a glimmer of like, hey, we could have one year where we're, we play Maybe spoiler. we get ranked. Yeah, we get ranked. We play spoiler. Like something, a miracle could happen. Like Cincinnati. Right. right. They've had this happen. They even made it, what, last year or the year before, right? They made it to the tournament. Yeah. But you know that those teams can't sustain it. Mm-hmm. Right? you're like okay maybe we get lucky one year things roll our way we become like kind of a cinderella story but we're not gonna actually win the championship whereas if you had more of a relegation system maybe it sets up an environment like where you could hope 
some of the smaller or mid-sized colleges can universities can make it not only make you know a blip but also maybe even sustain it for a little while like you see more like college basketball happens yeah where you can hold it you know for for a decade or five years or some span of time where it stays fun do you have a newsletter I can subscribe to? Do you have a Substack? You're writing about this. I do. My Substack is called. Uh, actually, I do have a Substack. It's called Worlds and Music. Are you writing about this topic? I need. To, I need more. I don't. You know, I've never written an opinion piece, but I think I might write an opinion piece for this upcoming Substack. They come out uh, the first of every month with everything I've uh, been doing for the last month because I know people are desperate to know what TV shows I'm watching, <laughs> uh, what I thought well, of the latest. Uh, if, if you want to know that. You could join our Discord. You also so got our Discord because we talked about that I, there as well. I gotta say, so I've been exploring my options <laughs> with Twitter changing here soon, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like, hey, you know, I would like to support more, pa- uh, be a uh, be a patron to more, you know, content creators that I like, and I'd like to find more Discords as a result of that. Because in my head, I'm thinking they're going to be like our Discord. And what I'm finding is they're not like our Discord. Oh, I know. <laughs> they're very quiet <laughs> and not fun and not super. You know, we've got some very smart people on our Discord. Yeah. Uh, so I've been disappointed because <laughs> in spoil because I'm think I'm spoiled because our Discord, uh, not because of us. We, we've just been lucky enough to have some really awesome people join it, but. I got to say, if you've joined a Discord before through a Patreon and you're like, eh, this isn't that great, you might want to, you might want to come over to ours and check it out. You might be surprised. Yeah. I'm, I have joined a lot of Discords over the last like two years. I mean, part of it was because of COVID. We were just like looking for things to do and stuck at home. But, uh, I, of the, some of the work that I do outside of, of this, I'm on a couple Discords for writers and, um, some of them have, I'm I'm not joking. Ten times the number of people, yeah, but with one tenth the chatter, yeah. Um, and then there's another one where it's very similar to ours. It's a lot of fun people. It's a nice community. They're all it's all in the writing community, and and they're all in the same like genre space. So it's like very nerdy. So people are like, and there's no, there is no like being a dick to each other. Yeah, you know, if you even get close, you're gonna get hey, yeah. Um, but then I'm on some where they're so active I can't keep up. Yep. with them. I have a couple like that. They're 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 active and like I don't get the way that they thread the conversations and like mm-hmm. I can't engage with them. I'm like I don't know what you guys are talking about and what this channel is even about. But there's tons of people posting all the time. Right. Um. So I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, I think the topics we have and the people we have in there. Uh, contributing and sharing and i'm always delighted when i go into ours and uh see what's see what's up i always learn something new and that's a lot of fun get in there is and especially for old people like us there is a lot of discussion of new music too yeah oh totally hits the wheelhouse so that's for sure also fun uh talking to people that you know have the same taste you have yeah same ideas the same thoughts the same concepts the same (laughs) dare i say agenda which is to make 90s music uh relevant forever uh 
Part of the way we keep it relevant is by discussing new releases on our Box newsletter. Every week, the Box newsletter goes out with a calendar of new releases, plus two new reviews of albums, movies, books, TV shows, what have you, uh, relevant to the 80s and 90s. And sometimes our patrons contribute those reviews, uh, like Ian, who covers a lot of electronic music for us. He's had some in the past, he'll have some coming up. And uh, lastly, Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave us some nice words and some stars, preferably in the five range. Thank you. Thank you all who have reviewed us. We appreciate it. Uh, For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.